0: Here is Euro Trash Weekly with your weekly trashy content from me, Stephanie, and... And from me, Nora. How are your plans? Have you any plans for Thanksgiving besides family? Um, Is is there anything special since I know this year is um, very special?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this year I think it's the same. I mean, we continue to sit on the couch and, uh, you know, play board games and, in my kid's case, Fortnite. Do you
0: usually have family coming over?
1: We don't have any family because my husband's family lives in Texas and... Boston and very far away so we always disjointed and uh, my mm-hmm. family is in Hungary So we are always by ourselves. We invite friends. So it's more like a friendsgiving But this year obviously everyone is yeah. to themselves
0: Mine is even less eventful since we don't have Thanksgiving here in Germany. Yay!
1: <laughs> I know, but I think your husband would still keep the day as a special I don't know maybe for the weekend. He doesn't even...
0: Maybe if we had other Americans around then usually they would Um, like in Ireland we had other Americans around then we would have like a Saturday, where we all met up and, and kind of celebrated it, but just for us, um, me personally, I dislike uh, all Thanksgiving food, it's just gross. Besides stuffing, I can do stuffing, but the rest, it's just no, no, thank you.
1: Okay, we're um, gonna have a whole edition so. on food, I think, after this because I really <laughs> love food and I, I also love Thanksgiving food. I also can't oh, wait. You do. Oh. <laughs> I I like every kind of food mostly, you know, so yeah, we have to have a food addition because I really want to know what you sustain yourself on after this now. But yeah,
0: (laughs) no problem. So, no, there's no special. We're not doing anything. Um, we're, Christmas de- we're decorating for Christmas this weekend, having some blue wine, pretending we're at the Christmas market, which we aren't, obviously. Um, and that's pretty much it for us. I think
1: weekend. that's... Yeah, that's probably... Nobody else but the US celebrates this. And I think Canada has some other day when they celebrate Thanksgiving. But, um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about today's show? What should we... Uh, we have a very serious show coming up, I think. it's It's different. It's less trashy it's less uh, fun <laughs> it's
0: it's a special guest yeah since we are in these special times of covid we have um, a special guest a nurse that would probably be able to tell us much more and answer some questions we have you know her better so it's probably better if you go ahead and introduce her
1: um we are back with uh my friend lauren and stephanie we are in a group call and we're gonna go over her line of work which is interesting to us because we don't see into healthcare but she works in healthcare and I let her introduce herself to you Hi Lauren.
2: Hello, good morning. Um, So I work as an operator for our local county hospital which basically means that I answer all of the incoming calls and the calls from all of our employees and page doctors for uh, emergencies, things like that. Um, I handle all the codes for the hospital and uh, I get to talk to almost all of our patients and our employees all day.
1: Wow, this uh, in these times seems like a hectic job to say the least. Very much
2: so, very busy. <laughs>
0: What part of the hospital? Is it, is, is it for the entire hospital or for
2: a specific station? Yeah, it's actually for the entire hospital and all of oh. our outlying clinics as well.
1: So how has your work been impacted since March? We, for us, you know, obviously everyone knows we are in a lockdown, but I think... Healthcare workers started to you know have much more work hours ever since the pandemic were you know officially I guess announced. Definitely,
2: um, it's it's usually going one of two ways. Either uh, the departments have closed down and sent people home, either to work from home or just to have some time off. Or uh, if you're an essential worker, then you're like me, you get called in all the time. And with as many employees as we have out sick for COVID, we're pulling a lot more hours than we're used to. Uh,
1: Do you count as an essential worker?
2: I I am, yeah. I'm also essential for our specific department as well. So uh, just by being a county employee and working in my department, I have to continue to work because we're a 24-hour department. But uh, within our department, in case there's an emergency or a situation, uh, say for a strike or a natural disaster, they would designate me as one of our essential workers. So I have to come in in the event of a disaster or an emergency.
1: Yeah, I mean, wow. I can tell that there is no Thanksgiving for you because you already, <laughs> yeah, you already told me. I asked you previously. All of us are getting ready for the turkey in the US and all that, but you said you won't be able to. You have to go to work.
2: You do. Well, I've got I've gotta work um, from now until. Uh, it's actually looking like a twelve-day stretch. So I'm going to have to be on for 12 days. Of those 12 days, about half of them are doubles. So I'm not sure um, if I just work swing shift tomorrow or if I'm going to have to do a double. I'll probably find out tomorrow when I get to work. (laughs) Because we have so many people right now, we've got two employees now that have been exposed. So they're waiting on their tests uh, to see if they can come in and work. If not, I'll be stuck there for 17, 18 hours. Wow. And then are you getting uh, compensated
0: extra then for that? Are you getting now a lot of overtime or is that just all fall in, falls
2: into your salary? Um, I'm definitely getting overtime. Okay, good. Um, Very normally, good. <laughs> normally, I only work half time. Um, so I'll have like a week on and then a week off. Mm-hmm. And I can... Build my schedule from there. So any extra shifts that we have, any available shifts, I can kind of make my schedule. If I would like a week off, I can take a week off. If I'd like to pick up extra hours and work full-time, I could do that. But with everybody that's out for the pandemic so far, I've just been working um, about 60, 70 hours a week. Wow,
0: that's
1: this, a lot. And, how can yes. you do it? I mean, I, I'm not... Even I can't comprehend quite honestly, because this is just too much. It it seems like the the system is not set up for this. And I don't know how you guys handle it.
2: Our department itself is very small. There's usually no more than uh, 10 or 12 people in our department. And it's a 24 hour department. Um, And right now we have three people, one from each shift who are out uh, on kind of a semi-permanent basis due to COVID and then uh, anytime we have an exposure or somebody comes down with symptoms in the office, they're out. So it's pretty much half of our department right now.
1: Oh, sorry, but uh, I just were curious (laughs) about what that means. Like, can they work then?
2: Uh, If you don't have symptoms, you can work. Um, And if you are symptomatic, then you have to wait for a test, Oh, but this
1: is not possible for you to work from home because most of us in tech, which is my and my husband's profession, we only see into that and we are able to continue, you know, contract work or work from home uh, as as before. But you guys need to be on site, obviously, to to be in the system, I guess.
2: We do have to be in the room mostly because of the codes, Uh, the alarms are in our office And we're the only department that has them. So if we weren't in that room, uh, when somebody has a code blue, if they have a heart attack or respiratory arrest, they push a button either at their nurse's station or in the room, and that buzzes us, the operators.
1: So it's a physical system, and you can do it online.
2: Right. We have to be in the room for it.
1: Do you think that's kind of going to change, maybe? No. (laughs) I mean, not not in the short term, but just because of how contagious this is and how, uh, you know, there would be a need that you could do this from not necessarily in the office, but like on an online system.
2: They don't have it set up that way. So uh, essentially all of our alarms in the hospital, they're really, really old systems, probably from the 50s or 60s. Um, They have not been updated. And unfortunately... They can't even move them to another location. All of the wiring has to be set up for them to do that. And we, as the county hospital, don't have the money that it would require to update the entire system and make everything on the computer. Like our our paging system for our codes, it still works off of a dial-up modem. No. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) No, this is uh, terrible. I mean, this is... Honestly, the news that nobody knows, and I hope you won't. I mean, I don't I hate to ask this, but you won't get into trouble about disclosing these, won't you? No,
2: no. I mean, everybody knows that our, our system is pretty old, outdated. It's it's pretty bad, but we don't have the money to upgrade it. And uh, unfortunately, they don't care enough, really. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and we're the only people, us uh, 10, 12 operators, we're the only people that know how to respond to the codes and what to do if anything happens so there's no way to like bring in an outside person to help or I mean even if everybody in the department was sick one of us would have to come in because nobody else is trained to do our job Mm -hmm. even now
0: they don't have anyone else just in case even now
2: even our supervisor and our manager are not trained to do our job
1: Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping also that it could be a volunteer system, but I guess it's just not. It, nobody seems to be um thinking about these cases. I guess That's the fact that, that that you know there would be some backup or you have to be certified, I suppose. That's why.
2: Um you definitely have to be trained. Um and although the procedures are written down at all of the stations, it takes a lot of training to be able to handle codes and things by yourself. You have to know who to page and which order to do it and how to get a hold of people if they're not responding. It it takes a while.
1: Because it's... Uh... It's like one of those, um, I guess, uh, you know, those people who operate the airport on the fly yeah. <laughs> and, and be <laughs> in like the that. in the know of like, oh, exactly, I know what to do already. So it takes a bit of a practice. Maybe if you move to a different hospital, I imagine it would take a bit of time to train up there.
2: Oh, yeah. All the procedures are different at every hospital. Um, this is the third one that I've worked at. So uh, our procedures are a lot different from, say, Kaiser's procedures or mm-hmm. um, even uh at the clinic that I used to work, we had a multi-location clinic, and we partnered with a local hospital. But we didn't have a hospital, um, and even they had to have codes for like in the clinic, in the office, and their procedures are always very different from hospital procedures. So wow. everything is very different. That makes no sense. They should really standardize all of that. I mean, I I've been pushing for that, but it's it's something that would take again a lot of time, a lot of money a lot of money yeah but the
1: the funny part is i'm gonna say that uh tech solves this for themselves for um for worse causes to say the least you know like we all we just know we want to talk to each other so we all get on slack i mean not Mm -hmm. from company to company which is i guess from hospital to hospital type of analogy it's part of the whole issue as a healthcare. you know i don't want to get into that exactly with you because many reasons, but I just think it's a whole issue with, with how systems, the giant systems of healthcare is set up right now.
2: Yeah. And, um, I would say that our department specifically in basically every clinic or hospital setting that I've worked in, the PBX operators are always kind of like an afterthought. We're usually put in like a small closet or it's usually rooms that, uh, don't have windows that they found oh, at no. the last minute that are just barely big enough to fit us in there. Um, there are never rooms that are actually built for us or are meant for our purposes. So we're always kind of... Um, An afterthought, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're jerry-rigging our equipment. We're just working with what we've
0: got. And you so important to the whole operations of the hospital in, in all these emergency cases. <laughs>
2: They really that's only figure to do. that out if we're not there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate because <laughs> <What>? communication—it's <laughs> it's number one. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, it's it's
1: sad. I mean, I, I mean, when you plan a hospital, you would think they this would be one of the areas they address because communication, as we see it, everywhere, it's number one priority. You know,
2: between humans, to just yeah. go back to the basics. At the moment, actually, we're in um, in a small what used to be a tech closet in a small room that was meant for the security guards that's located in our guest parking garage
0: oh wow no
2: yeah so we're not even in the hospital
1: i do hope you won't get in trouble for this (laughs)
2: No, That's all public knowledge.
1: <laughs> okay, I I'm I'm happy because if I had said something like this uh on a show about the companies, you know, that I have worked at, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have been um uh, well, we haven't mentioned
0: we haven't mentioned any specific hospital countries <laughs> or even counties. Uh, so I wouldn't even know what hospital she works at.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, She's in California, uh, in Southern California or like Northern California but like the South Bay. Um, I don't know if you want to go into more, but yeah, just location-wise, how many ca- cases are there. It's important to maybe know as a perspective. Um, yeah, the cases are rising and we have the second surge, right? Um, let's see. We
2: had 30 patients on the 15th and now we're up to 51 COVID patients. <sighs>
1: Oh. oh, my goodness. That is uh, nearly double. like uh, You know what? That's crazy because the numbers are... For us, it's so hard to understand for me because these are people and we don't see it, you know? Right. And I, I never worked in such a serious... You know profession like yours and i people outside i don't think they have the same perspective to it do no, you I actually don't. feel this uh, emotionally
2: the, the the situation most definitely um my job has changed a lot this past year um usually my job is um uh, kind of funny Like, I'll come home with a couple of funny stories for the day. Um, Some interesting things happen. And because of our location at this hospital, uh, we're in the same room with the sheriff's department. So uh, if our day is boring, they always have something interesting going on. It was always kind of fun. We had fun at work. Um, Mm -hmm. And everything was just kind of light, easy. Uh, If it was a boring day, you could even watch movies on Netflix on your computer. I mean, it was it was a very relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. Um these days there's a lot of calls from patients' family members who are obviously upset that they can't visit with their family. Um people who are scared or angry. Uh very, How do very you handle creative. Yeah, how do you, you handle know those calls? That's I can't even imagine. <laughs> Honestly, you The easiest way is just to be honest with them, give them as much information as you're allowed to give them, Mm -hmm. and try to explain the situation, which of course doesn't really help, but it it does give them the feeling that they understand why and um, if there's a way to work around the rules, how they can get around the system, if there's anything we can do for them. The hardest part lately has been um, like the patients who are in the hospital and they're there Alone and they're scared. So they call out all day through me, and I have to dial friends or family members' numbers for them so that they can say goodbye or. Uh. Just have somebody to talk to. No, this is so
1: terrible. Why can't they have a cell phone or a laptop or anything? I mean, that. Unfortunately,
2: we have really terrible service. Service yeah. in the hospital. So most we hospitals. We have towers. Do. Yeah, we have towers put up um, on the tallest building, but uh, it really only gives you partial service on some of the floors. But most of the time, like in the emergency room, uh, in mental health, they're definitely not going to have any service. And they sit there for hours, all day, panicked and alone. Yeah. And, you know, if there's a phone in their room, they're talking to me all day. <laughs> they want to dial out. They want to just talk to somebody, you know. No, and nobody
0: scary. can come visit right now. They cannot have any – I know – I don't know how restricted
2: it is or – It is extremely restricted. So right now, unless you uh, have to have assistance for your appointment, if you're unable to get into the office by yourself or explain what's going on or if you have trouble understanding, then you're allowed to have one person with you. But most of the patients don't get to have anybody with them until they're admitted into the hospital and in a room. And even then, it's very heavily restricted. Most of the time, it's only for if they're going to say goodbye or something like that. So they can at least can uh, the family can at least come see the patient if they are about to pass. One person from the family gets to come one. in at a time. Um, okay. Some of the units are letting more than one person come in, but they have to be spread out. Um, by a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I think the hardest part is that family members will send somebody to the emergency room by themselves and they won't know that they have COVID. It would be for something completely unrelated, like a broken foot or a car Mm -hmm. accident. And all of a sudden they call to check on their family member and they come out of the system. They can't find them anywhere. Oh, that's because they've tested positive for COVID. Oh, because at that point they are moved are They don't get moved, but their status in the computer changes and their information is more heavily guarded. So if you dropped off your daughter for a sprained ankle and then all of a sudden we can't locate her, we don't see her on our patient list, the family panics. Yeah. Of course, and we can't legally tell them
1: why. So why is that? That makes I mean honestly no sense. This should be information that the relatives have access to. If they have COVID, what does that change? You know,
2: only the emergency contact person has the information. So we're not allowed to tell. Oh, I see. Anybody, I see, I see because of the medical
1: contact. privacy law.
2: Right. So uh we we can call the emergency contact person and then past that we can't tell anybody anything i see yeah this
1: uh we don't i don't even know this area so we, we the questions i'm asking are like i don't know what i'm talking about yeah because <laughs> Coming out of ignorance yes
2: yeah um, <laughs> well i actually i posted a general notice on my facebook page just letting everybody know like if you if you have a family, if you have children especially, designate one parent who's going to be the emergency contact person. That way, if you're allowed to have one person go to the hospital, you know who that person is already. Everything is already set up. Uh-huh. And also for mm-hmm. people to know that if you test positive for COVID, you will get pulled from the system, so we won't be able to locate you, and essentially not to panic. Just trying to notify people that there's a series of events that happen when you test positive, and if you don't know about that going in, it, it really scares people. I mean, I oh, can God. only yeah.
1: understand. It's, it's like you sit there by yourself, and alone, you can't all of a sudden use your phone or your usual way of communication this sounds very lonely and isolating while you're sick and all of a sudden treated like i guess different status person or
2: Um, they treat you the same they just make you invisible yeah, I feel like this
0: should yeah. be well much more known that this happens because I can only imagine being a parent and then panicking when their child that they dropped off is not in the system anymore.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, it's very hard. And, um, you know, between not being able to be in the hospital with them, especially if they make the parents wait out in the car in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be sitting out there for five or six hours and calling in every hour to check in. And then all of a sudden their child's not in the system anymore. Yeah. And there's no explanation for it.
1: So this is standard ER procedure right now because of COVID. You have to be yes. like drop off your child or drop off your a person that is a dependent or whatever. And then you have to leave. Is that how it is?
2: Yes. Oh, Essentially, unless they have to be there for medical reasons, mm-hmm. they have to wait in the car or go home and are called later. Yeah, I think it's similar here in
0: Germany. I mean, you can't go anywhere. Doctors visits, even gynecology,
2: if you're pregnant or anything, you can't bring your partner
0: or anything. So
2: yeah, when, yeah, labor and delivery is having a lot of trouble with that because not only are they not allowed to have... Um, partners with them if they've tested positive but they can't see the newborn if the newborn is not positive oh, and they've yeah. oh, tested my goodness.
1: positive. Your world is so different and we are out here honestly complaining about like I can't go to <laughs> restaurants and this is real like this is what I see and I'm complaining about personally and I just feel like terrible person all of a sudden because we don't see into this and this should be the reporting that goes on I think on the local channels on the whatever PBS this should be more places because people need Mm -hmm. to understand that this is the reason why I think the system is not handling this is why you have to wear the mask to not put people in a hospital in situations like this because you just it's so contagious right
2: Yes. And the, the horrible thing is that we're getting a lot of <laughs> people who think that we're blowing things out of proportion or yeah. people who think that we're trying to lie to them or trick them in mm-hmm. some way. So like the conspiracy so theory. A lot of people, they call and they want to know um, if they really did test positive. They want to see their results. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't <sighs> trust the doctors at all and then once they're told that they're positive they immediately become angry and uh usually they they verbally attack the doctors
0: oh god that's yeah. so terrible i don't even know where that uh yeah that's just going so deep into the mind of some people i don't know where that comes from this is just i just feel bad for the doctors they're doing all they can and they work really hard and probably overtime and um a risk every day and then they get, yeah, assaulted. But I I heard that from nurses as well, that on the deathbed, the patient still says they don't have
2: COVID. And
0: those are the last yeah. words.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I had a patient um, call and tell me that uh, we were lying to her because they had either lost her sample or it had expired before they were able to test it because of the influx of tests that they were getting at the time. And they asked her to come in and retake her test. And um, she thought we were trying to con her into coming to the hospital so that we could hold her there against her will. Oh, my God. Because she was convinced that she had tested positive and we were just trying to find a way to trap her at the hospital.
1: This this is like, uh, I mean, I don't know how delusional, but, but I mean, obviously this comes from the people are very scared and they don't yeah. want to admit to themselves, denial sort of that you have this and then you you have to kind of be on the guard and you have to probably be isolated and I mean I don't think they would hold you at the hospital right like you test positive then you would have your quarantine self-quarantine at home
2: right right we never hold people unless it's medically necessary right yeah
0: Yeah, you're already pretty full is your hospital also like at the brink
2: um we're filling up now, we're fairly close to reopening our surge units. So we have some overflow surge capacity units that uh, we had set up during the first wave. And now um, they're prepped. They're ready for patients. And then as soon as we run out of those beds, they'll be utilizing um, the convention center. In San Jose, Yeah. So is
1: the convention center ready uh, also? Like already they have hospital beds and isolation rooms, I guess. It's not
2: set up yet, but they have um, everything ready to go. So if they need it, they can set it up within 24 hours. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah. And last time, the beginning of this, the first wave so-called had Santa Clara pretty bad uh, high case numbers. So. Uh, hopefully it won't, won't happen this time because it's just so contagious from what I can see on the data It seems like it's four times more Contagious spect- than than the flu would be or the flu is in a general year It just seems like the death death rate was four times higher, you know so far only and we are not even we're just like kind of going into this the winter season and I'm no doctor but I'm just looking at the numbers and to me scary that people don't understand, and that you're you're trying to protect medical workers, you're trying to protect elderly, and just others wear the mask, and it's it's a struggle to this
2: day. Um, we have a lot of of trouble um, getting people to wear the masks, getting people to distance, getting people to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like they do take it seriously once they get the disease. <laughs> Which
1: oh, then is too too late. late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's because I guess to some people, it's still you experience it. It's not real, and then all of a sudden, oh me, now it's real. Yeah, it's, like they're almost like a selfish. I don't know if it's selfishness. They have to
2: learn the hard way, I think. A hard way. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So that's lack that's of empathy. That that goes back to the lack of empathy. Like you can't put yourself into another person's shoe or think how it would feel if this happened to someone else, which is basically what empathy, I suppose, is, isn't it? And honestly, I didn't have it until I had children. So I can't even say anything. I was very (laughs) selfish. And and it's like, everything is for me. I don't understand, you know. And then now I I had kids. They taught me the good
2: lesson of like, Wait a minute, there are others. (laughs) I think what the problem is, is they seem to think that even if they get it, it's just the flu. You know, people are overreacting. You'll get over it. Everything will be fine. But um, the part that they seem to be missing is that everything we're learning so far tells us that it looks like this is going to be a chronic disease. Yeah, It may be a lifelong issue. So it's not just the flu. It may be a virus that you have to deal with for the rest of your life.
0: I, yeah, I just actually learned about um, uh, the long term. They call it, they call themselves long termers or something. The long haulers, yeah. Long haulers, yes. Yeah. Exactly. They were all really healthy people. They obviously got over COVID, but now they never. They have some lasting side effects, and they're quite devastating. And they cannot find out where it comes from. It, always, all the tests come back normal, and it's 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 really frustrating. And that's actually what I'm afraid of the most. If I if I were to catch the virus.
1: Yeah, that's what (laughs) probably everyone should be afraid of because living with the chronic disease is no fun. Me as a migraine sufferer, and I think Lauren as well, says that uh, you could say that it's one of the most devastating things because nobody will pay attention to you. It will be just like, hey, you were normal yesterday. You just act like that every day, don't you? Like Nobody can understand what toll it takes on a person. And I don't know what these are, what the symptoms are for the people who... So
2: the funny thing is that... um... It, because it's, it's a vascular disease, it's in your veins, it seems to be causing a lot of clotting issues. And mm-hmm. so um, people are dying of heart attacks and strokes before they even know they have COVID because it's causing these clotting issues. We're having also a lot of trouble with people who have mild COVID attacks and then they try and kind of get back to normal. They start exercising and... Doing what they normally would do. And it's the exercise that's doing more damage because the swelling in the body is so intense. And the more exercise, I mean, it's it's really damaging the heart muscle. And it may be Damage that's irreversible. So they're asking people, especially people who uh, are very fit, like to exercise regularly, not to exercise, even if you've only had a mild case, for three to six months after you've recovered. Oh, wow. Because it can do so much damage to your heart that you can have a heart attack six months after you've had the illness. And is that, is that and I don't know
0: if you would know the answer to this, but is that only for people that have had any kind of symptoms or would that also apply for people that are asymptomatic that would never even know? They it had...
2: applies to asymptomatic people more asymptomatic. so most of the time
0: than oh, people
2: who are violently ill because people who get a really, really good viral dose and they get fairly sick, they're not out there trying to get back to exercising, running normally. They're just trying to deal with how do you breathe, how do you make it through the day without a nap, just functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are used to exercising regularly have a high level of functioning, like they do a lot in a day. They're trying to push themselves to get back to normal, and all it's doing is resetting them. And they get shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, the headache, the nausea everything just like when they had the initial symptoms okay yeah this
0: is crazy
1: i mean that that is it's insidious in a way you know what i mean like people Who are asymptomatic wouldn't even know it's related to perhaps this COVID. Is there a way? Do you think they don't have a test just for yet have had COVID before? Right.
2: Unfortunately, the only thing that we have are um, the blood tests for the antibodies. But Mm -hmm. most people are not producing antibodies or holding on to them long enough to test positive for them. Yeah, especially people that that have mild disease; they're not really picking up much of an antibody response.
0: And is it is it is it everybody that had? The virus
2: that has these issues, so is it just a few people? Or we uh, don't know so that yet. Right now, um, there was a study in, I think it was a British study. That they said about 10 to 20 percent of people will get long haul COVID symptoms. I think a German study came down closer to about 40 or 50 percent of people. And then they've done a polling of people who had COVID worldwide, and their results from the polls said it's closer to 80 or 90 percent of people who have some some type of symptom at least three months afterwards Mm. oh gosh it's just there's so much variation in symptoms and course of the disease depending on how your body handles it that it's really really hard to compare cases because almost everybody has their own individualized course
0: yeah Uh,
1: this i think in the us is like with the exercise routines and in the bay area it's so hardcore with like you know, pushing yourself and all these ideals. Very much. You know that I think people have to admit to themselves that well, you know, I'm I can handle that, and that's hard psychologically. Um, yes. It's. And uh, they're
2: having a lot of trouble just trying to adjust to the fact that there's a new normal for them, and that it may be permanent. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard.
1: But hopefully, I mean, honestly, I can only say that it will change the culture a little bit at workplaces, at daily life, that you don't have to be a robot and 100% and fully functioning. I mean, fully functioning in the sense that smiley and happy 100% of the time, <laughs> because that's so annoying <laughs> that people have these expectations. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm just going to say that as a cultural difference, I, I don't think anyone can hold up to that. We are not, you know, magical, smiley creatures and robots all the time, and you have daily quotas that change you know and I think I want to know honestly if someone is is, is hurting and not feeling good and and it's like yeah that's cool chill but um, just the admittance of uh, hey maybe you know you're sick today just take a day off from work or something it's so hard it's so hard here in my line of work. It's almost like, no, 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 I must come in. I must do, you know, it's, that's the mentality. And
2: I think it's damaging, but. And that's definitely the opposite of the mentality we need at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Because we yeah. have so many people at the hospital who are testing positive, And then even though we have temperature screeners at the door, it doesn't really catch as many people no. as you would hope. And we found out that we have, I had multiple cases of people who take Tylenol or other fever reducers and then come to work mm-hmm. trying to beat that temperature scan.
1: Oh, wow. oh yeah, wow! Yeah, yeah. This this used to be in my line of work. Uh, we used to be like, I have a cold, I can't stay at home, and we just <laughs> just load up on Nyquil and Dayquil and all these things, you know, to, to beat it. And then you know, you would have to tell your coworkers like, Yeah, dude, I'm on I'm on Dayquil. I'm, just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's one of the, uh, I guess, cultural differences that you can buy all these over-the-counter medications in the U.S. and you heal yourself to function for your daily work life because that is the most important thing. You can't even take time for yourself to heal. I think well, that's
2: At the terrible. hospital, they only give us 14 days. No matter what happens to you, no matter how well you do with the virus, they only pay you for 14 days. Mm-hmm. And, and if That's you need absolutely to be out, terrible. Yeah, if you need to be out longer, then you have to go out on like disability or mm-hmm. do yeah. FMLA.
0: Well, obviously, it's completely different here in Germany. It's, I mean, you can just say you're not. Ian are a little bit stressed out, and you need two weeks, and you just take two weeks off. Um, <laughs> or you need to go to a spa, and then they pay for you to go to a spa for a couple of weeks, and that's all covered. But it's completely different. We all should <laughs> move to story. Germany after this show. <laughs> it's a different you know it's it's europe it's a little different there but i mean do you feel safe at work do you have enough ppe at work um Absolutely i mean i know not. you didn't. no no <laughs> oh,
2: God. um i they are doing a lot i mean they are trying they're screening for temperature even though we know that that doesn't really pick up as many people as we'd like it to. You know, in the beginning, they weren't they weren't even notifying people when other employees in your department tested positive. Oh, God. They basically sent out an email saying that because of the nature of the job, you have to assume that you will be exposed on a regular basis, and that was essentially our notification. And so anytime anybody tested positive, they wouldn't notify anybody who worked with them. Do you get tested
0: regularly at least or only if
2: someone shows symptoms? They had offered um, testing to any employee who wanted to get tested regularly. So you could get a free test once a month. Now, because we've had so many outbreaks among the employees, it's now mandatory if you have patient contact to get tested um, every other week. Okay. So they are trying to curb that Yeah. just by identifying more employees. But we've taken down two or three entire hospitalist teams now. So two, three residents and a handful of interns and an attending or two. So the entire group will get sick.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah you
1: you didn't get sick yet right but you were right i have not no uh-huh but you were in quarantine because someone
2: mm-hmm. you worked with did one of our girls tested positive at the end of march and she went out for i think it was about three months uh her husband had passed from covid and then oh. her son-in-law also passed from covid oh okay. my goodness this and then we had one of the girls, one of our other girls test positive about a month ago now, and she's been home quarantining. Um, I believe her husband got sick as well, but they've both done okay. She's not well enough to come back to work yet, but mm-hmm. she she did make it through the initial infection Okay.
1: Is there like a, a, I don't know for her at least, was there a very bad part where she was in like, oh, I might have to go to
2: ER? She had a few days where she was very, very close, um, shortness of breath, uh, she lost her voice she said that she was having chest pains, but I think that resolved within two to three days, and then she just kind of wrote out the rest of the flu symptoms. So the fever, a little nauseous, body aches, things like that.
1: Hmm. Would the hospital uh, know ahead of time that these people may come back, uh, you know, so you can kind of keep an eye on, you know, people who I don't know. I guess the system is not as organized. It's not like, no. oh, these people are no. at home. They might come in. and I don't know when, if, if if one of us caught it, I don't know when would be the time when you would be like, yeah, it's ER time. It's your own call <laughs> um, nowadays, and it's it sucks.
2: We do tell people um, if they have an oxygen meter that usually will tell you, because apparently... Most of the people who are having trouble breathing actually don't realize that they're having trouble breathing. So they'll come mm. in for other symptoms and their oxygen level is in the low 90s and they don't even realize oh, it. Or like they would have a headache. Right. Mm-hmm. They'd have a headache or a high fever or uh, stomach cramps. Or I think one guy came in because his uh, his rigors were so bad that he chipped a couple teeth. His teeth oh, were chattering. Yeah, so uh, they'll come in for other issues, and uh, it turns out that they need oxygen, and probably have needed oxygen for a few days.
0: Hmm. Well, (laughs) Needless to say, I cannot wait for this vaccine, hopefully. And uh, finally, maybe go back to normal, hopefully. I'm worried that that
2: people won't take the vaccine.
1: Yeah, that's a big concern in the US. We just brought it up in an earlier show, but... uh... I mean, is there any talk of the vaccine in your hospital as far as, like, ordering? And I don't know if you know that, but...
2: Um, not yet. Our command center is set up for when it gets here, uh, but we're not, we don't have any time estimate on when that might be.
1: Because I've seen, you know, that, that article about ordering in Canada, and they are actually, it seems like they are, like, placing orders for it already as a country, and... Germany's system.
0: setting up centers right now, vaccination centers everywhere. <gasps>
1: you, like you actually have it, and then it's almost when do you think
0: of the timeline? I don't know. I don't know if we have it. I'm just saying they're setting up the centers to oh. be able to give them, and yeah,
2: yeah. I don't.
0: I don't think we have them. The actual vaccine yet. They're
2: just preparing. To my knowledge, for... they won't be shipping until at least December. Yeah, probably.
1: Right, but December is around the corner, and to me, yeah, it's it's great. It's a kind of like one of the, okay, light at the end of the tunnel situation that, you know, and the people won't take it, uh, part is, um, yeah, it's concerning, but I'll take it. And I can't wait.
0: <laughs> I'll take anything at this time. Just shoot me up. Just give it to me. I
1: don't care. I'm Pretty too. much. I'll take two. I'll just just, just take with. two. <laughs> <laughs> My normal disposition.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I mean, thank you very much. You don't want to take much more of your time because I know you. I think you worked nights, didn't you? You probably want to go to bed yeah yeah
1: (laughs) no thank you for coming on at this after your work hours I mean we were trying to schedule it closer to so when you come home you don't have to stay up forever and I'm yeah thank you
0: so much thanks for having
2: me on it was awesome yeah you were
0: so much information I mean that needs to be out there that I didn't know and and I'm sure none of our listeners knew so that's
2: pretty pretty incredible thank you Of course. You're very welcome. I'm so glad you guys are doing this. I think a lot of people need to hear about the stuff that's going on. Yeah, exactly.
0: Thanks, Lauren. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was some, some heavy content. It was so nice of her to come out. I can't believe she waited and she worked all night and her voice is so lovely. Yeah. I've listened to her like, all day long. But Yeah, wow, me too. Uh, this show was
1: difficult, though, on many levels. I think it's more sobering to hear what yeah. she has to go through daily.
0: Especially because you're so blind to it, just living your daily life, and you're not even involved in healthcare, and, and you just hear it on the news, and you don't know anyone personally. And then it's just so good to sometimes get this wake-up call. Um, yeah. It's sobering. Yeah, what yes. do we
1: what do we do next year? Do you, next week? Do you have any plans, or we're we just gonna do an impromptu show next week? We'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll be back next week. I mean, we'll talk about the topic. I hope everybody enjoys their Thanksgiving. And uh, you can always email us at EurotrashWeekly at gmail and follow us on all the things at Eurotrash Weekly. Yeah, and
1: our Twitter is yeah. at Eurotrash Weekly also. And um, if you have any questions or wanna comment on our show. And um, we are on now. Uh, these are that's the latest. So <laughs> Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, and um, everything else. Hope you guys love it and uh, give us five stars and subscribe. Awesome! I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.